0: Forgot to ask pastor if I could read from the New King James. Amen. He said I could. Amen. Luke chapter 5 and verse number 1. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, And he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. I know there are some fishermen in the house who will readily identify with this next statement. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing, nevertheless at your word I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Amen. I want to preach tonight uh, about some important things God has placed into my spirit, and it's related to this story and others like it in Scripture, and and I may throw out a title later on, or I may not. But just stay writing uh, along with me, and the Lord to help us not preach until ten thirty. Amen, And I know you're tired, so I'm not going to preach all night. We were in Lake Havasu. Anybody ever heard of Lake Havasu City, Arizona? I know Brother Keith has been there. Amen. We were uh, pastoring in Lake Havasu City, and. Uh, we met a realtor there one day. We, we called uh, the uh, name on the sign in front of the house. I assume that's the best way to do these kinds of things. And, uh, and so we called and spoke to a, a nice um, older lady, and she said, yes, I'll meet you at the home, and we can look at it. And, and she met us there at the home, and we began to visit with her, and her name was Dee Dee, and uh, she was a wonderful, delightful person, uh, I don't want to talk about her age, but I feel like you need to have some kind of a reference point. She was about 78 years old at the time, but spry and and full of life and just a, a delightful person. And it was a Sunday afternoon, and so we were somewhat a little tired from service, but still, of course, living in the flow of the Spirit. And, you know, sometimes you go away from church and you feel the anointing of God in such a wonderful way, and you can witness to people sometimes seemingly a little easier because of the presence of God that you've just felt. That's kind of how it was. So we were telling her who we were, that we pastored a church there in the community, and my wife especially reached out to her. We gave her a card, and, and she said, oh, I'm very interested. I, I want to come to your church. And she said, my boyfriend uh, was raised in a Pentecostal church, uh, and uh, I think he might be interested in this. So we went home, and less than an hour later, we got a call from this lady. She said, he was raised in a Pentecostal church, has not been to one in a a very long time but we will be with you in service next Sunday we thought well alright heard that before every pastor most everyone who's ever invited anyone to church You've heard that before, but we were hopeful and faith-filled and so she came to church next Sunday and God began to work in their lives. And I, one of the best memories I believe that I have in my life is we had a revival and the evangelist came through and, and the, the boyfriend understood things about Pentecost. He was an older man at the time, of course, but he remembered Pentecostal revivals from 50 and 60 and 70 years ago and he told her, now, you come out of a Catholic background. This is going to be different. And he was excited about it. And we had Holy Ghost revival, and God was moving. And she was setting toward the back of the church, one altar call, and the Lord was moving and blessing. And I remember her sitting there on the pew with her hands upraised and tears streaming down her face as God filled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. There is a harvest there is a a person out there there are people that are hungry for the gospel amen and i believe that it is God that is wanting to give us a breakthrough in our spirit, in our home, in our family, in our community, in our revival, in a healing. I believe there is a breakthrough. That was a type of breakthrough experience for our church. And certainly it was a breakthrough experience for that lady. I'm happy to testify even though we are gone on to another duty assignment that she is still a part of that church. Because God is able to save the lost. God is able to do a breakthrough. Amen. I began praying about this service for a a while ago. And there was a word that God dropped into my spirit. And the word is breakthrough. The word is breakthrough. I believe with all of my heart that there is a breakthrough for this church tonight. Hallelujah. I don't know you. We, we don't really associate. We don't really know each other, but we know the same God. We serve the same heavenly Father, and there is a breakthrough for you. Amen. Do you receive that tonight? Amen. In life, I've learned that living for God is really a lifestyle of saying yes to the Lord. Living for God is one obedience after another. As one writer said, a long obedience in the same direction. Saying yes to the Lord, obeying His voice, it's an ongoing thing that we cultivate throughout our lives. I think when we're young, we sort of think, well, I'll respond to the Lord, I'll respond to the move of His Spirit, and, and that'll kind of be it, right? I'll, I'll get saved, and maybe my family will get saved, and then, and then I'll be coasting from there on. And that last... A few days, and then we realize there's a new challenge. There's a new circumstance. There's a new issue. There's something else that God is requiring of me or that circumstances are pushing me toward, and I have to cultivate this lifestyle of saying yes to the Lord. Amen. I have to cultivate this lifestyle of obedience to God. Amen. Obedience is one of those things that used to be talked about a lot. I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe uh, maybe I'm just not paying attention, but I don't hear it talked about as much anymore. Amen. I know it's the first time i preached here, so don't get too quiet on me. It'll make me frightened. But obedience used to be something that, that was dealt with a lot. And, and I remember as a kid being called to obedience, not just from my mom and dad. I remember from the church and from the pastor and from the preacher being called to obey. Amen. And, and, and as a group of people, and I think this fits. If it doesn't fit, well, you could forget it. But, you know, we, we seek understanding. We, we seek knowledge. We seek wisdom. We, we seek to know and we study the scriptures to show ourselves approved unto God. And we want to know and to learn and to develop and to grow. But I also believe that the balance to that equation is that there are times in all of our lives where God speaks to us and where God directs us and where God does not explain. Amen. There are times in every life of faith where God will deal with each and every one of us about something that needs to happen in our lives. Maybe, maybe there's a change that we need to make. Maybe uh, there is something that we used to do but we're no longer doing. Or, or maybe there's something that we have been doing that we need to cease doing. But God speaks to us. And he expects us to obey. Amen. Noah obeyed. And saved his family. Abraham obeyed and followed his God. Joseph obeyed and survived until the blessing came. If you think about the life of Abraham, look in your Bible in the book of Hebrews where where the writer of Hebrews begins to talk about the life of Abraham. And he says that Abraham went to a city that he did not know where it was. He was a man of faith. I don't go anywhere unless I know where it is. I'm old school. I don't have a GPS. I have enough people in my life telling me what to do. Amen. I want to listen to God. I want to listen to my pastor. I want to listen to my wife. And I generally speaking obey them. Come on, lighten up. Generally. Especially God and my pastor, my wife, most of the time. So I have Google Maps and, and I find where, you know, point A, point B, and then I hit the steps button and then I do a little photo, a screenshot on my phone. And I shouldn't say this because I'll get lost this week, but seldom do I get lost. But I follow the directions. They say, go here. And turn and go there and turn but how foolish would it be if I had all of those tools at my disposal but I chose not to obey what they tell me to do well I'm just gonna go a different way I'm gonna try something new no we have to obey and Abraham obeyed and sought a city and he did not even know where the city was What a man of faith. Moses obeyed and said yes to God, and the people of God were delivered. Deborah said yes and obeyed the voice of God and won a great victory. David said yes. He obeyed the voice of God, and his kingly lineage was established forever. Elijah the prophet obeyed and said yes to God. And led a national revival. Isaiah obeyed the voice of God in chapter 6. He said, here I am, send me. And he prophesied in perfect detail about the coming Messiah. Mary said yes. And birthed the Savior of the world. Amen. There is a breakthrough when we obey the voice of God. There is a breakthrough in all our lives. And sometimes what God calls us toward is significant. It's a big deal. And then other times it's seemingly small. It's seemingly something insignificant. But we feel the Lord nudging us and pushing us. And and isn't it funny how we resist sometimes? Maybe I'm the only one. But the quietness makes me think I'm not. Isn't it funny the kind of contortions and uh, pretzel-like ways we can bend our spirit in order to try and avoid obeying the voice of God? Amen. You're never going to have me back. Praise God. That's all right. I love you anyway. Jesus obeyed the voice of God in his life and endured the cross. So look at the story here in Luke chapter 5. Peter is presented with a very clear choice. He could decline to obey God, or he could respond to the pull of God on his life. Would he answer Jesus, or would he say something different? Amen. I was joking just a while ago about the way we twist ourselves, you know. I was... uh, We were about to prepare to go on the evangelistic field. And it was in that season that God began to deal with us about increasing our giving to missions. (laughs) Okay, God, now let me, there's a few economics things here that perhaps we should discuss. Uh, Evangelizing with a family across the country Let's wait until I'm, I'm making $75,000 a year, and then we'll be good. We'll, we'll be good. I, I will promise to give $2 a month to missions, no matter what. No matter what happens. Just, you know, this, this evangelizing thing, God, this is out of my box. I like the norm, the same, the usual, what I can expect. But God dealt with both my wife and I, and we discussed it, and, and we had a burden, and there were some tears involved, not just because, you know, we were trying to give, but, uh, there, you know, we just believed, okay, we've got to do this. A missionary came through and preached a message and, and stirred my spirit so deeply, so we began to increase our missions giving as we launched out into the evangelistic field. And at first, you know, I was kind of curious about this, I'm not going to lie. Because it didn't seem like the best time. And don't get me wrong, there were some hard times that accompanied that decision. But, but uh, it was, that was 2016, 2015-ish. 2017, I, I had a, a, a CPA. He's done our taxes for years. He's brilliant. I would never do my own taxes. Um, this guy's wonderful. He did my taxes. And he's, you know, I don't know how every CPA is, but he doesn't say a whole lot. And so he just kind of commented after he gave me the details and, and, and all of that, and he said, "You know, brother Yunkin, uh, I notice here in uh, tax year 2017, uh, your income has doubled." Now I was an evangelist, so it wasn't going from like 100,000 to 200,000, but it did double. And that was not because of anything I did. That was not because I was skillful or I picked up a new trade or or I somehow, you know, uh, did something different. It was because of the blessings of God. God sends blessings. God sends a breakthrough when we obey his voice. (laughs) Hallelujah. So here is the apostle Peter. He had fished all night. He was a skilled and knowledgeable fisherman, but he had caught Nothing. Peter was professional as a fisherman. This is not a weekend hobby for him. It was his trade. It is the method that he used to feed his family. I believe that because of that, he knew the best times to fish. He knew the best places to fish. He knew the best methods of fishing. And in spite of all that, he had caught nothing. Have you ever been there where you felt like you did everything you were supposed to do and you didn't catch anything? You didn't have a good result. It didn't go for you like the testimonies that sometimes you hear. And it's challenging in those moments. Should I continue to say yes to the Lord? Should I continue to obey the voice of God? Peter really had a very simple choice here. Jesus said, launch out into the deep for a catch. But Peter made the decision. It was his decision. It was his boat. It was his net. It was his crew. He could do what he wanted to do. He could close up shop, clean the nets, live to fish another day. This day was different. This day was a day where Jesus had gotten into the boat. Jesus changed everything by giving him a command. This was not a suggestion. I've learned that about God. He doesn't suggest, at least in my own experience. He commands. And he just generally speaking, what I've learned about God is he's very comfortable operating in the realm of giving commands. Almost as though he deserves to give commands. Almost as though he deserves and expects to be obeyed when he gives the command. That down your nets for a catch. Luke chapter 4 and verse 38, the previous chapter, the one we read. The Bible says that Jesus had stayed at, at Peter's house where he had healed his mother-in-law. I I imagine there was a different element to that scenario, a different uh, uh, atmosphere on that day. I wonder if while in his home they spoke of fishing, they spoke of conditions on the lake. I, I wonder if they spoke about his business and how things were going. They were in the comfort Of of his home in that time But now they're in the comfort of where This is his livelihood This is his job site This is where he knows how to do What needs to be done He is in the place where he is the expert Amen But Jesus issues a command And it seems, I believe, counterintuitive to Peter Now listen, Jesus, I have fished all night. As though Jesus doesn't know? As though whatever response I give to God, He doesn't know? As though whatever excuse I make up, He doesn't know? Am I telling God, Lord, you got the wrong guy? Am I like Jonah? Oh, God, you may not understand. Those people from Nineveh are scoundrels. Perhaps you weren't watching the news that day when they were beheading people and and burning people. But let me tell you, let me inform you, let me help you see the picture more clearly. It seems counterintuitive. For Peter, how can it be good to fish? After a night of lost effort, after a night where they caught nothing and probably he still has to pay the workers on the team. How can that be a good thing? How can I let down my nets for a catch? Jesus, I was just on the lake and I just had to sit through and listen to you teach and be courteous and respectful. How is this going to work? But Peter's concerns do not alter the command of Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, whatever it is that God is dealing with you about, be it great or be it small, whatever picture that you and I can paint to God is not telling God something he does not already know it is not telling god something he has not fully factored in to the equation in fact what god knows supersedes and goes so far beyond what we could ever ask what we could ever think what we could ever conceive and so our complaining or our questioning is not going to alter his command it is not going to change how often So many of us get stuck right there, and I've been there in my life a time or two where there is a nudge and there is a pull, and it can be significant or or seemingly insignificant to me, but I too often got stuck right there, and ultimately it's a lack of faith. It is me saying I trust my opinion about the situation more than I trust God's opinion about the situation. I trust my view of conditions on the lake more than I trust the one who made the lake. I trust my view of my family and my life and my finances more than I trust the one who made my family and who made my finances. Hallelujah. Why? Should Peter let down the nets? But it's interesting. His his change doesn't alter the command of Jesus. Jesus said, let down your nets for a catch. Peter says this and that. And Jesus doesn't say anything else. The command is there. Jesus doesn't speak again in the story until after Peter has obeyed. I wonder... I know I'm going slow, but I wonder if maybe you feel as though God hasn't spoken to you in a while. I wonder if maybe God is waiting for you to take that step. Haven't heard the voice of God in quite some time. Haven't felt the presence of God like I want to feel. Could it be that Jesus has given a command and is silently and patiently waiting for us to step out in faith and say, God, I don't understand it. I can't explain it. It does not make sense to me, but I will obey. Amen. It is always more convenient to say no, not now or maybe later. Refusing the words of the Lord. It's always more convenient. It always is more pleasing to our flesh. It's more easy for us to accept mentally and emotionally. But there is a challenge that comes into our lives spiritually when that takes place. There was a word from Jesus. Let down your nets for a catch. This was not an if-then statement. This was not something that was, I mean, it was conditional in the sense that Peter had to obey, but the end result, if he obeyed, was assured. This was not something where maybe the Lord was saying, go out there and we'll see what happens. No, Jesus said, let down your nets for a catch. The result was assured. Can I tell you in your life, the result is assured? That if God has spoken to you, that that thing is assured. That thing will be done. He is God and he cannot lie. He will not lie. He is true to himself. He is true to his word. The only variable in the equation is whether or not you and I will obey. Amen. Jesus said, let down your nets for a cat. I'm going to invite the musicians to return. Peter obeyed and there was a breakthrough that day. Peter fell at the feet of Jesus and he said, depart from me, O Lord. Jesus said, fear not. from now on, I will make you fishers of men. You see, that breakthrough you're longing for in your life is just on the other side of your obedience. That thing that you are seeking God about, it's just a thin line where if you will step into an obedient response to the voice of God, the Lord will meet you. God will help you. God will work in your life. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost... Tonight, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord. Sometimes all we can see is our own tiredness or our own expertise. Sometimes all we can see is our own questions. God, how in the world is this going to work out? How can I afford to do that? How will I be able to do that? If there's just a spot. Says, I will obey. I'm coming to a place in my life where I believe with all of my heart that my obedience to the voice of God supersedes my desire to understand. There are things about life that I'll never understand this side of heaven. There are principles of the kingdom, like give 10% and offerings in addition that I'll never understand this side of heaven. But Jesus said in his word to do it. There are other principles of Scripture that we hold near and dear, and we should endeavor, I believe, to explain and expound and consider, and study, and write. But at the end of the day, whether I understand it or not, the call from God is not to understand. The call from God is to obey. My wife and I were preparing today and talking about the goodness of God, talking about the blessings of God, talking about way that God works in a life over the course of a period of years. Unfortunately I'm just a pinch older than Pastor Buford, And and it struck me so heavily as we were talking about that you know you really and, and I know many of you will understand and identify with this if I only serve God at a surface level or I only serve God for a three or four year period and then I cycle back out and so on and so forth, I miss one of the most tremendous blessings of living for God, and that is to be able to look back 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, and see the blessings of God in my life, and see the provision of God and see the help of God. And and I can look around and I can see people that, that were small children in the church, but mom and dad were faithful and now they're in the youth group and now they're singing on the platform and now they're exploring a call from God to ministry. That doesn't happen when I turn my back on God. But when I obey and when I serve God, it becomes a synergy that develops in my spirit. And then years later, I look back And see the blessings of God I see the provision of God I see a boat that is full of fish Where previously I had caught nothing Hallelujah I invite you to stand We're attending service Probably 19 or 22 months ago In New Life Austin Pastor Shaw was preaching I believe he was preaching out of this passage. And he was throwing darts spiritually from the word of God. And he threw a dart my way about the move of God and about going back to a place of difficulty and challenge. And God began to deal with me. Amen. There is a breakthrough for everyone here. As long as we'll step into will of God. We'll step into the plan of God. Sometimes it's a simple kind of thing. and Sometimes it's a bit larger than just a simple thing. But if we will obey the voice of God, if we will say yes to the Lord, we will experience the power and presence of God in a mighty way. Would you lift your hands all across the room? Would you begin to call out to God? Would you begin to pray? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord, we feel your presence in this place tonight. God, we feel your touch in this house tonight.